2: Talk is about to begin. Hey, hey, hey! Come on in.
0: Welcome back to a post-game Buckeye talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. We're coming to you after Ohio State's 37 to three win over Minnesota. So that's one. I'm going to keep a counter of how many times we actually say the team name Minnesota. On this pod, because nobody cares. <laughs> they did win today. Michigan also beat Maryland today, and so that means Ohio State and Michigan is going to be an eleven and zero versus eleven and zero game next Saturday, second time in a row, and I think third time in Andrew and I's lifetime. This also happened, obviously, in two thousand and six, where both teams were undefeated. To quickly wrap up this win over the Golden Gophers, Nathan once again the defense dominant was a fifty plus yard field goal away from getting a shutout in this game. While the offense, not so smooth to start
2: off the game, even if it did pick up pace there in the second half. You know, just a weird game for the offense, I thought, in some ways, because those first five possessions, the the five first-half possessions, none of them started farther downfield than Ohio State's own 15-yard line, and two of them started at the three. So that's not something that is usually conducive to a lot of points, even against, like, any Big Ten defense, right? Like, there's enough, like legitimate mm-hmm. Big Ten scholarship guys on the field that's going to make that tough, even though Minnesota's been banged up on defense. However, there was definitely a stretch of that game in the first half where the execution just wasn't sharp enough. Some of that was Kyle McCord missing on some throws, and some of that was um, some some things that went wrong with the blocking. That last possession that started on the, the three should have just probably ended with a couple of runs and go into halftime, but they tried to make something out of it and almost got McCord hurt in the process. Um, you know they came out and just stormed out of the gate Now that was the second week in a row that they've done that that first drive was like you know chef's kiss and then after that Mm -hmm. it got clunky and weird and and then they got the surge to start the second half that that put things away once it was once it was 27 to nothing it's it's over this minnesota defense did nothing so I think maybe my ultimate takeaway from that was we weren't expecting Hostie to come out and just run the ball up and down the field and move or move the ball up and down the field on Michigan at will anyway. Right. It's going to be about execution and that's got to be better. Like they can't leave points on the field the way they did tonight because they're not going to have as many opportunities to get those points as they did tonight. It's not going to be as many drives. If, if Michigan's pinning you at the 15 and the 11 and the 13 and the three, then there's going to be times you're lucky to get to midfield. And if that happens too many times, you're backing yourself into a corner, even as well this defense has played. But this defense, I mean, another week without allowing a touchdown. They haven't allowed even two. Do you remember last time they allowed two touchdowns in a game? Maryland, without I think, is the only game that they've allowed two touchdowns. No, I just know that I think Maryland's yeah. the only game where they've allowed multiple that's touchdowns. Right. That's the only time. October seventh was the last time they've allowed two touchdowns in a game. So you're coming up on that's gonna be seven weeks or eight weeks or whatever since they since that game when they finally yeah. play Michigan. It's um that's quite a run. And the the just the propulsive performance of this defense that just keeps pushing this team forward. And every week whether the offense is struggling whether the offense is super crisp, like it was against Michigan state, the defense just maintains and the thought that they will get Tommy Eckenberg back. The thought that they could get Mike Hall back. My Ryan day was like guardedly optimistic about that. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, but he's certain that Tommy Eckenberg will play like, they're going to be like almost full strength, right? Like minus Lathan Ransom, we think is is still out of the picture, but almost full strength for, I've said it a few times. I don't think anybody would challenge me on this. It's the biggest game anybody's going to play in college football in this regular season. And this defense is a reason why they've got a good chance to win it.
0: The full strength thing, Nathan, I want to come back to that in a second, because I think that's very important in context to this game, because it's literally the same scenario as a year ago, except... This team is just a boatload more healthy at some very key spots. So, I do want to come back to that. Andrew, the way this game has played, this game played out, and it's not about the dominance level of it, but the defense is awesome throughout, and the offense needed some time. It's not the first time we've heard that story through the first 11 weeks here, even with Kyle McCord finishes 20 of 30, 212 yards and two touchdowns. But there was a point there in that second quarter where things got a little weird with some of the decision-making he was doing. But is that enough, in your opinion, right now? It's ten thirty seven as we're recording this post-game pod. Is that enough to beat Michigan? Can this defense be enough to continue to let this offense get by until the explosive
1: plays happen? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, the the worry with McCord is not – for me. And the worry isn't that you're going to do or that you're not going to do enough. It's that you're going to do something wrong, right? You're going to throw a pick. You're going to make a turnover. You're going to make a bad decision. That's the worry for me because I I, literally right before we got on this pod, I sent a text to a friend and I said 20 to 17 season. And I think that's kind of what we're in for. And Ohio state's defense hasn't allowed more than 17 points all year Like you could, so I I, can Ohio state score 18 or I guess the, you know, the more realistic number would be 20. Like can Ohio state score 20 against Michigan? Like that would give you a chance to win. And I think Ohio state can do that. So in terms of the the defense, I have no qualms about the defense. I've said this on one of our YouTube videos. I've been good with this defense since Penn state. I've felt fine about where this defense is at. I had no kind of concerns or no nothing really where, when it came to like, complaints or however you want to phrase it with what this defense could do the offense. I I think you could absolutely do enough. And I think McCord is absolutely enough because this team has proven like how many times they have to do this where they can win by not playing that well. Like if if I had just told you the scores of games this year, like how many points Ohio state was going to score going in, we would have all been like, uh Oh, you know, 24 against Wisconsin, 17 against Notre Dame, 20 against Penn State. Like You would have had some reservations, but this defense has just been so good that you can kind of look at it and say, you know what? You get to 20, you got a fighting shot. Whereas in previous years with this Ohio State defense, it was like, okay, you got to 20, you, all right, you might not be losing at halftime now. And with this Ohio State defense and the way that they're playing and with this offense it's it to me, it's just can you not screw it up? And if you do that, you're gonna be in the game. Nathan, that health element
0: defensively, especially, just and I mean you could talk about it offensively too. Jackson Smith and Jigman, Trayvon Henderson did play in the Michigan game last year, and neither did Myan Williams. But defensively, starting in the secondary alone, Lathan Ransom's probably not playing next Saturday. But Lathan Ransom being hurt would have been like injury number six on the I can't believe this guy's hurt. I can't believe they're not playing with this guy. A year ago, it's that's kind of it. Denzel Burke's healthy. This is as of Saturday night. We, I mean, they have to practice football for the next week, and things happen. But as of right now, the expectation heading into that game is. Denzel Burke's going to be healthy. Jordan Hancock's going to be healthy. Neither one of those guys are fully healthy a year ago. Davis Nygmanosan doesn't have an injury history, but he's going to be healthy. Josh Proctor, who two years ago was the beginning stages of a bad defense once he went down in 2021. He's healthy. Sonny Styles is healthy. JT Tuimalo is healthy. Jack Sawyer is healthy. I can keep listing off names here, but the fact that part of the reason why you can have a level of confidence in Ohio state heading into a big game like this is 99% of their most valuable and important players are healthy. How big of a deal is that heading into this game before we even get into the X's and O's and other parts of this?
2: I mean, it's massively important. It's just in in any matchup game, every time that you take one of your best players off the field and the other team doesn't, you're at a disadvantage, right? And that's why I think it's so huge if Ohio State can get Mike Hall back. We didn't see him in the stadium tonight. And with a combination – for a home game, that's a little bit odd, except in cases of um, concussion protocol, like a head injury protocol. might have happened. And we didn't yeah. see what happened to Mike Hall last week. And sometimes that also is an indication that it could be concussion protocol. Like when you don't see what happened, even when you look back at, a, at, at the game, and then all of a sudden the guy's not playing anymore – Sometimes the dots connect on that. So that's one reason why also Day, I think, has been more vague about what's going on with him, because it's unpredictable. You don't know exactly when when a guy gets to come back. But he's just such a critically important guy. I mean, second on this team in pressures per the PFF stats and what he means as far as both plugging the run and and creating pressure is it's. It goes too unnoticed, I think. We probably haven't talked about him enough this season, uh, as Tyreek Williams has emerged as we focused on the defensive ends. Paul doesn't have gaudy stats, but he he just keeps performing. And it's, it, all you want is a performer. And every performer you can get on the field for a game like this is huge, especially considering what Michigan does and what it does well and where it's, it's best stocked. So that's the one that is still hanging out there that to get him back on the field to go up against the interior of Michigan's offensive line would seem to be pretty huge. I actually think it might be more important than Eichenberg coming back, although Eichenberg um, sounds like he is definitely on the trajectory. Ryan Day was joking about having to like, get in a fistfight with him that he won, um, and I would I would take bets uh, against Ohio State's <laughs> esteemed coach if they actually were to run that, uh, that boxing match anywhere. But um, that he had to persuade Tommy Eichenberg that this was the prudent course of action to take this week off and be, you know, even more healthy. No, no chance of a setback to come back and win um, in Michigan next week. But Hall might be more of a true difference maker in some ways than Eichenberg would be in a matchup like this. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, and they're going to get Eichenberg back, so it doesn't matter. But uh, I thought you got good linebacker play today. Like from the very beginning of this game, it was Cody Simon, it was Steel Chambers who were really like shooting through gaps and either getting TFLs themselves or or stops themselves or setting them up like the TFL that the first one that Jack Sawyer had today was really set up by Steel Chambers, like shooting through a gap. I think it was on the second drive of the game for Michigan State. I just thought they were they were they were very strong for most of the day, uh, but Minnesota doesn't have a ton offensively right now. They allowed 159 total yards. I think Trevion Henderson outgained Minnesota 172 to 159. It's just you you're you're not wrong though. Like the fact that they've gotten everybody to this stage healthy, and we saw last year what health interruptions meant for players. I mean, especially like Denzel Burke. And, you know, we saw the play tonight where he stepped up and made a nice like open field tackle out in the flats. And we were like, oh, like he didn't he wouldn't have done that a year ago. And it's because he just wasn't in the right place physically or mentally because of a lot of the things he went through last year. And you've gotten as many guys as you have to week 13, game 12 this year in that right mindset, in that right place physically. And that's the only chance, the only way you would have a chance to go up there and win a game like this. Andrew, the health part of this, because
0: even not too long ago, about two or three weeks ago, we were maybe questioning the health of this defense in some spots when Lathan Ransom is going down, Tommy Eichenberg is going down, Mike Hall is going down, Josh Proctor is going down, Denzel Burke missed a couple of games there. How important is that in this this matchup next week? Just the fact that they're going to be at full – well, 99% full strength expectedly going into next Saturday.
1: Well, it's big, and I think we kind of knew that this might be on the horizon, right? Like I think when we w- when we talked about this team after the Rutgers game, and the Rutgers game was a physical game, certainly tougher than a lot of other people maybe had thought. Um, you know, certainly tougher than a lot of Ohio State fans had kind of thought it was going to be, uh, maybe even than Ohio State. But you got through that game, and I think we all kind of looked at the schedule and went, okay, if you're going to get some guys some rest. These would be the two games to do it. So I, I think you could kind of point to this part of the schedule and say, "All right, you're going to get some guys back, but having everybody available against Michigan is huge." And like we talked about this with with Mike Hall, like you know what what does Mike Hall bring to this defensive line? Right? We we talked about that specifically. Like you need a, you need everybody there. Not only forget like look, Mike Hall is a really good defensive tackle. And he makes explosive plays for you, and he makes big time moments, and he and he can get he can get to the quarterback, and he can get tackles for loss, and he can get all of these different things that you can kind of point to and say, "Wow, that can change a game against Michigan." But you also just need good players available, right? Like you also just need everybody there. You know, you Ohio State's offense still has a lot of talent without Emeka Egbuka, for example. You know, you still have the best receiver in the country, and you have Julian Fleming, and you have Carnell Tate. And you have Cade Stover and you have Travion Henderson and you've got a lot of really good options and a lot of options that like other programs in the country would kill for. But Emeka Buka, forget the NFL talent. It just allows you to do more things, right? Like it allows you to run more, run more personnel packages than you would run different formations, run different things. Defenses are going to play you differently. So like having everybody back or getting as close to healthy as you can offensively and defensively is big. So it, again, it, it's. For what those players represent, I don't need to lecture people on the importance of like a Tommy Eichenberg or the importance of a Denzel Burke. We we all know that. But it's just the fact that you have those guys available because now one or two things go sideways in Ann Arbor. You feel better about it than you would if a week or two ago you have an injury. You know, I mean, imagine you're in a situation where, you know, Tommy's not going to play against Michigan and you go into Michigan with. Cody Simon and Steele, and you're like, okay, we're good. And then one or two things happen, and you're starting to tug your shirt collar a little bit. So just it, it's the what those guys signify, and then it's also just what you can do offensively and defensively.
0: Nathan, a couple of other players I want to talk about, and then we can get into the, the more big picture topic, which is the Ohio State Michigan part of this. Ameka Buka, five catches, eighty three yards, eight targets, just getting him back into a groove. You have that. You have Travion Henderson. 146 yards, two touchdowns, one of which he opened up the second half with a 75-yard touchdown, where uh, uh, Mecca Book and Julian Fleming sprung him three. Not so much Marvin Harrison Jr. today, only two, three catches for 30 yards, one of which was a touchdown, which was, I think, kind of a gimme because he got to keep he's got to keep putting points on the board because he's trying to build a Heisman Trophy campaign. But it wasn't perfect. But once the offense started clicking, especially. Early in that third quarter, it didn't really look back as long as the starters were out there on the field. I asked Day after the after the game. I asked, "You're eleven and 0 Eleven weeks into the season, is your offense headed in the direction you thought it would be? in with everybody healthy, I'll ask you the same thing." Seeing Amecha Buka look more like himself on Saturday, Cade Stover is being consistent. Marvin Harrison Jr. has been Marvin Harrison Jr. The way Travion Henderson is running this ball, and the way the offensive line is starting to come together. Is this offense at the point it needs to be, it needed to get to, to get on the field with Michigan and put itself in the best position to win? If this offensive
2: line can can keep just maintaining and moving forward, then yeah, I, I think so. And in some ways, I mean, we heard that Trevion Henderson might be doing this in the way that he was talked about in the offseason, but we didn't see it. Even early this year, we didn't see it. I don't think we saw it until he took that month off and, and came back. And then it's just been, um, you know, uh, crazy since then. And like that run that he had tonight where he he took that hand off and it was supposed to go up the middle and nothing was there. So he kind of jump cut it outside. And then he did that maneuver where he sort of like slid his way through the defense, through the second level. And then it's just toast. Like it's just gone at that point. Like, that is the reason why it, it, they when they played with their food last year against Michigan, frankly, um that's a good example of this. They just didn't have that. I mean, he literally was on the sideline, as you pointed out before. And you know, Chip Tranham ran the ball well that day, but he, that's the whole point, like that he doesn't give you the top end breakaway that Henderson does. Frankly, there aren't a lot of running backs in college football that are giving you that right now. He's in upper echelon performance that way. And that alone is a a massive difference in how these teams are going to match up this week because Ohio State simply did not have a balanced offense when it went to Michigan last year, at least in terms of, you know, in in a matchup way, in a way that you could like go head to head. And now it does. And you're even going to have times where, Trevion Henderson tips the balance to you just with his ability to do what he did tonight. Like one play can be 75 yards. I mean, it's it's funny. He's played two games career against Minnesota, and he has two 70-plus yard touchdowns against him, so against them. So P.J. Fleck might be one coach who's eager to see him um, move on if he so chooses. I think the way he's playing right now might make him wonder what it would be like to come back and play a full season next year. He's going to have some some interesting decisions to make. Serious question. So after the Rutgers game, when we were standing on the field
0: thinking about what videos we were going to do, I brought up something, and rightfully so. You looked at me like I was crazy and said, are you going to get on the camera? Are you going to say this? And it was about who was more valuable between him and Marvin Harrison Jr. And that's not – the reason I'm bringing that up right now is if Trayvon Henderson doesn't miss, what was it, two or three games coming out of the Notre Dame game, if he doesn't miss those games and he has just been doing this coming out of the bye week, because that's essentially what he's come back and has turned into against Wisconsin. These are his last five games here. Against Notre Dame, 14 carries, 104 yards and a touchdown, including that 61-yard touchdown. Against Wisconsin, when he came back after missing a couple weeks, 24 carries, 162 yards and a touchdown, plus four catches for 45 yards in a day when Kyle McCord just kind of looked rough. Against Rutgers, twenty-two carries, one hundred and twenty-eight yards, and a touchdown, plus five catches for eighty yards. And then against Michigan State, where he only played a half, basically thirteen carries for sixty-three yards, plus two catches for fourteen yards. And then, as I mentioned to, tonight against against Minnesota, he's got fifteen carries for one hundred and forty-six yards and two touchdowns, plus two catches for twenty-six yards. I think one of his catches was on, was on a checkdown as well. Marvin Harrison Jr. is clearly their Heisman Trophy candidate. But would Travion Henderson be their runaway Triesman Trophy candidate if he doesn't spend two, two or three weeks there not playing football because of an upper body injury suffering in Notre Dame?
2: I, I mean, if he were taking the things he's doing now and, and adding three more weeks of it on there, yeah. I, yeah, I suppose so. I would just say that we can't lose sight of the fact that one of the reasons why he's doing some of the things he's doing right now. I'm saying this, taking nothing away from him, but he has the freshest legs on the field mm-hmm. on some of these drives, and there's guys who That's are trying true. to stop him who've been getting who were getting banged up for those three or four weeks, just playing major college football. So uh, I'm not saying I'm not yeah. at all saying it's the only reason he's doing it. I'm saying it's probably a factor here that, and it, frankly, but that was why Ohio State handled that the way they did. He probably could have come back sooner than he did if they had needed him, mm-hmm. if they thought they needed him, and I guess the Penn State game would be the one that came the closest to where you're like, are you, I mean, if he can play, don't you have to, but like they, they took it very cautious with that injury. And I think it's paying off right now that if you try because they last year, you know, he, he had his ups and downs too. Injury wise, he came back too fast or came back too much or however you want to say it. And it kept him off the field at the end. And now not only do you have him on the field at the end, you have him on the field with less tread on his tires and, very kind of obviously more energy and more mental awareness every time he touches the ball.
1: Well, and and it should also be stated too, that the offensive line of the Maryland game is not the offensive line of the Minnesota game. I think the offensive line has gotten a lot better and, and the offensive line. So, you know, maybe, but I, I just don't know if he would have had that same success because like Ohio State did not run the ball well at all against Maryland. And do I think they would have ran the ball better if Travion Henderson was there? Yeah, sure. Do I think they would have ran the ball better against Penn State if Travion Henderson was there? Yeah, sure. But I'm not sure it's what we've seen the last couple of weeks. I think there's kind of been the perfect storm of Henderson getting back healthy, Henderson getting back fresh, the offensive line playing better. And McCord kind of slowly gaining confidence and slowly becoming, you know, a better quarterback for this offense. I, I think that there's been a lot of different things kind of adding into this.
0: Yeah, I only, I only ask it because it's to your point, Andrew, it has been kind of zero to 60 with him. There wasn't really this gradual buildup. It's just the offensive line spent two or three weeks really improving. And then once it got to a point where it was like, OK it's at the level it needs to be then you then you put Travion Henderson back into that and automatically he's turning into this 120-yard back every single week. We're going to take a quick break there. We've mentioned the word Minnesota now four times. So kudos to us. You know, we're keeping it up in Three of those times are me because I'm trying to host this thing here. So kudos to us for continuing that. We're really not going to talk about them after this break here. We're going to get straight into Michigan played Maryland today, and they looked against Maryland the way Ohio State looked against Maryland last year, while Ohio State kind of cruised to a win here. And that plus everything else that's led into an 11-0 team versus an 11-0 team matchup, and which team is maybe peaking in the right direction heading into that game. We'll get more into that here on
1: Buckeye Talk.
0: Ohio State beat its opponent at home 37 to 3. You guys like what I did there? I still didn't say the word. While Michigan played at the M team as a lot of Ms in Ohio State, Michigan won on the road at Maryland 31 to 24 in a game that Maryland kind of hung around. It never really seemed like Maryland was threatening to actually win the game, Nathan, but they did hang around long enough to where where Michigan had to play a four quarter game there. When you mix that with Last week, Michigan played a Penn State team that was, you know, it was a tough battle. It's no different than when Ohio State played Penn State. But also, J.J. McCarthy threw 23 passes today, but he didn't look great throwing them. And he threw eight passes the week before, where it it doesn't look like J.J. McCarthy is necessarily progressing as a passer. It's more just if Michigan can run the ball, they run it at an elite level. And if they can't do that, I'm not really sure what they do offensively. While their defense is stout, while Ohio State has spent really – the last few weeks here, not just the last two games because they dominated lower level teams, but even the Rutgers game, you go back to that a little bit, Ohio State seems to be peeking in the right direction. As we, we did a video on this and I'll ask you here, does it seem like Ohio State is putting itself in the right position to win this game next Saturday? While Michigan may be, you know, it's looking little, is one team looking like it's trending in the right direction, and the other team isn't.
2: Yes, yeah, so I was walking out of the press box tonight with um Cameron Teague Robinson from the Athletic and we were just sort of talking about how this is this culminating and I said, "You know, what Michigan is doing right now reminds me a little bit of Ohio State last year." And right up into the point where it was a game at Maryland, like How State won that game 43 to 30, but I'm sure people remember that it was a one touchdown game in the final minute or two and they had to get a um, a a strip sack of Talia Tagabailoa by Steel Chambers and uh, or by Zach Harrison I should say and Steel Chambers ran it in for the touchdown that really you know inflated the the, the gap there but they were getting guys banged up Matt Jones got banged up in that game couldn't play against Michigan Trevon Henderson Mayan Williams I don't think Trevin Henderson played that game I think Mayan Williams did try to play at Maryland but that was one of the games you know, that Trey played he got played the, the first, first out, early okay. touchdown and then by halftime they shut him down and that's when Dallin Hayden. Had like hundred yards, and that's when Down Hayden went in, and then obviously, but but Trevion didn't come out of that game healthy because he didn't play the next week at at Michigan against Michigan. So you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a lot of things, and so like Michigan had you know its starting left tackle didn't play. They think he's going to play next week, I, from what I'm hearing. They had another offensive lineman get banged up in that game. They Roman Wilson, their best receiver, left that game and was on in street clothes on the sideline. I haven't heard a definitive update. What's going on with him yet? But that would be a massive, massive loss for, and and would potentially make that team a little bit more one-dimensional. I'm not ready to write off JJ McCarthy in the passing game yet, simply because I saw them so opportunistically capitalize against Ohio State last year. But Ohio State has changed itself defensively to better insulate against having a, a a recurrence of those problems. So no team yet. I, I, I as much as I still am not ready to to turn them off, my, my thought keeps coming back to just what you see in front of you and in this Ohio State defense is just not let anybody drive on it consistently all year and it's not giving up explosive plays. And if you're not doing either of those two things, you almost can't lose. Like I don't, I'm, not, I'm not predicting them yet to saying that they there's no way they can lose against Michigan. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that like you're you're choking off the two possible um ways an offense could beat you. So I there I would just say that right now Ohio State can say, even with tonight's offensive glitches, I think the past two weeks combined, and really you could go back to like starting in the second half at Rutgers, Ohio State would say, especially now that everybody's healthy, because it didn't have a fully healthy team at Rutgers on offense. Like it would probably say this is the best it has played collectively this season. And it's, it can take it the best version of itself that it has seen, try to enhance it and take it up to Michigan. And Michigan, I think is a little bit, and we haven't even talked about just all the sideshow nonsense that's going on in Michigan that is affecting this most likely in, in some real ways at this point. Like now that you're like firing coaches, like, like your position coach means something to you. And, And they just, I know he's only been there a year, although he was there years ago. So there's guys that probably knew him from before then, too. But, like, they just fired their linebackers coach. Like, can you imagine if Ohio State just, like, fired Perry Eliano for some reason? Or, like, the repercussions that would probably have on the defense. Like, it wouldn't devastate it, but they'd feel it. And, by the way, I don't think Ohio State should fire Perry Eliano. I just threw his (laughs) name I just drew his name out of a hat in the moment. I like Perry Eliano very much. He's a good dude. And Parker Fleming big, was right there. I think mean, he's doing a good job. <laughs> well, but that's why it wasn't necessarily the best example to use. So, and there would fair. be a reason for that. Right. That's not what we're talking about here. I, we're, I'm just talking yeah. about like, that's fair. You're just going that's along. Fair. Your defense is playing well. Yeah. And you just have to fire a position coach for something that has nothing to do with the performance on the field. So like you're, you're firing coaches. Yeah. Your head coach is suspended And isn't there with you on game days? And uh, I know they're rallying around that as much as they can. I'm just saying like enough is going on now where like at this point this past week where the NCAA is like saying like, no, like we've got goods on you guys and you're giving up the court Mm -hmm. fight and they're firing coaches like i wonder how much that starts to seep into a team psyche a little bit to be like wait a second like how sideways is this going to end up going is this something we're going to end up vacating all of this later because they find out the extent of what went on this year like there's all sorts of possibilities it could be going through your head and you have to try to put it out of there as much as you can to just focus on the mental and physical task in front of you but it's just one team is on is on its the trajectory to be its best version, and Michigan, I think, has to regroup more than Ohio State does right now, and and kind of recalibrate pretty quickly, and and um, scrape out some of this fuzz that's uh, that's starting to collect, and find that better version. It's it might be a little bit more abstract for them right now, a little bit more out of grasp for them right now.
0: We've talked about this with Ryan Day. In the past. And now they weren't dealing with this type of nonsense. But back when the idea of Ryan Day giving up play calling became a thing, right? Part of the reason why is what would it mean for the Michigan? Because it's like it felt like he was dealing with a bunch of stuff. So what if you give up this one thing? And so you can focus more on this thing, you know, just be able to calibrate a little bit. And it does seem like Jim Harbaugh is not going to be on the sideline for that game. But it does seem like Michigan as a program is having to spend way too much time it's self-inflicted, like you brought this on yourself, but you're spending a lot of time having to deal with non-football stuff while also trying to prepare for football games every single week. And to your point, at what point does that is start to impact the football? And it hasn't yet. But also, Ohio State is head and shoulders above all 11 po- opponents they played so far. I think there is a significant gap between where Ohio state is and where the other opponents are on Michigan schedule, even with Penn state, because that offense is atrocious, which is why Mike, your is no longer the offensive coordinator there. Andrew. It's like I said, it's Saturday and we'll probably end up answering this question in a variety of ways throughout the next seven days, leading up to that game, when we had from Ann Arbor. But if I asked you which of these two teams has more momentum, positive momentum, Heading into next Saturday, right now, with what we saw Michigan do against Maryland, what we saw Ohio State do against, dang it, I have to say it, Minnesota, and on down the list there. I mean, that's five. Which team would you say has more positive momentum right now heading into that game?
1: I mean, it's Ohio State. And I don't think it's close, right? Like I, I like I mean, what? I'll, I'll, let me answer your question with a question. What positive momentum does Michigan have besides the fact that they've won games, right? Like they 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 beat Maryland in a manner that gives you some pause, that gives you some some things to think about, where you go, huh? That was, I like, I know that. Look, I I know that game was twenty three to three. I understand that, and I understand Michigan lost some guys. Um, and by the way, for what it's worth, um, there was a, a tweet today. Uh, Roman Wilson quote, he was fine, but the medical staff ruled him out. Um, So we'll see what that means. Who knows for next week. So it does sound like this isn't this, like whatever happened in Michigan today, isn't going to be like a, Oh no, this team is falling apart at the seams. But like, It's not good when you you have some injuries and it's not good when you have to play a four quarter game against a Maryland team. Like I know Ohio state kind of did that, but they haven't really had to do that in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Oh yeah. By the way, if you hadn't heard there's some stuff going on at Michigan with the NCAA and the big 10 and Jim Harbaugh, like does Ohio state have its head coach? Yes. Is Ohio state currently being investigated by the big 10 and the, and the NCAA? No, like there there are just things going on at Michigan right now off the field that are just really difficult and you don't look every player and every coach in America will tell you oh at this program we block out the noise we don't listen to the they listen that we Ryan Day said we you know Ryan Day all season long has said we got to block out the noise we got to block out the noise and the most Impactful, powerful moment of this season was Ryan Day bringing up the noise on live television and talking smack to Lou Holtz. Right, like these guys know what's going on. It has to wear on Michigan in in a negative way. So that's obviously negative. They're winning, like they won a close game against Penn State. Which look, you know, that's a positive game. But they also didn't throw the ball. They they didn't they didn't even literally literally they did not attempt to throw the ball. And Ohio state's going into this game where I think you could realistically say the offense is playing as, as well as it has all year. The defense might be the best defense in the country. And they have given you no reason to doubt that for the last handful of weeks. And it just kind of feels like Ohio state's going up and Michigan is maybe not going down, but Michigan's on the bumpy road, right? Like they're on the road with a bunch of potholes right now. And they're just bouncing all over the car. And I, I think it's clearly Ohio State going into this game with more positive momentum and, and better feelings. I, I don't know, how, like what the argument even is for Michigan.
2: By the way, so and a lot of our listeners probably already know this. By the time they're hearing this, we just we went straight from reporting on Ohio State to talking about this. Um, Sharon Moore, the uh, teary-eyed offensive coordinator turned interim head coach for Michigan, insinuated <laughs> that it was a head injury for Roman Wilson. So that would that would imply putting him probably in concussion protocol. So again, just a very unpredictable thing as to whether or not he'll be available next week. But I will also re- remind everyone that Blake Coram took a total of zero snaps against Ohio State last year and Michigan's still torsion. So <laughs> just having one guy not available might not make the difference if you don't do other things well.
0: Well, there you have it. There's some news there. One last thing I want to ask you on this pod. And I think... I think we'll have a deeper dive into this topic when we do other things this week, but I just want to get your guys' feel. JJ McCarthy and Kyle McCord's numbers are very comparable. And there's been kind of this talk around our beat at times of why they're viewed so differently in terms of who's been successful and who isn't. And the the, the obvious answer is, well, one's being compared to a standard where we're used to seeing our state quarterbacks have 3,500 yards and 40 touchdowns. And the other one's not being compared to that standard. But I do think for what these offenses, for what these teams are in general, what's being required of them, not necessarily responsibilities, but what's being required of them is very similar. Neither one of these quarterbacks are being asked to be Superman. Like C.J. Stroud often had to be Superman. Justin Fields, at in some way, especially twenty twenty, more than nineteen, he had to be Superman. Kyle McCord doesn't have to be Superman, and J.J. McCarthy, in his two years as a starter, has never had to be Superman. But they're both super talented. They're both five star recruits. Ryan Day made a decision at one point, which one he went with. He went with Kyle McCord back then. We've seen enough of both. I asked the Texans this question, and I'll ask you, you and Andrew, this question as well. Heading into this game. Which quarterback would you rather have, Kyle
2: McCord or J.J. McCarthy? So I would push back a little bit on their numbers being really equal. Uh, You know, McCarthy's got a 23-point QB rating. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean anything. And McCarthy's got a yard edge on him in yards per attempt. He's got ten percentage points. This is all before today. This was through ten games. And you know McCord's Mm -hmm. uh, numbers I think were better today, but they also weren't like great. They didn't like blow his. They didn't take his numbers Mm -hmm. into the stratosphere by any means. Um, In fact, his like yards per attempt uh, went down, and um, his completion percentage basically stayed the same. So McCarthy numbers have been better. Now, if you correct them for strength of schedule, you probably do get something that's actually a little bit closer to being even. But as far as like what they've mm-hmm. done this year, McCarthy has in totality been more efficient and uh, found more explosiveness uh, through his offense. And some of that can be like working with the running backs and getting them involved in the passing game. so um, and, I, and McCord's doing that more now with Henderson. It's just tough like you know McCord, McCarthy has already done to Ohio State. What Ohio State now needs McCord to go do to Michigan, like he came to mm-hmm. Ohio Stadium last year, he exploited vulnerabilities and was a huge part of why they won the game. I think Ohio State would rather have Kyle McCord because I think you know Ryan Day went and got Kyle McCord to be the quarterback of a very specific kind of football and a very specific kind of offense, and he chose him over JJ McCarthy. So for that reason alone, I would say that you would rather... Like, I would rather have Kyle McCord because I think he was picked and developed to run this kind of offense. But I also think mm-hmm. that much like the, much like it has been all season, you need to not have this game be on Kyle McCord's shoulders. You know, he's already done it once this year where his back was against the wall and he led the game-winning drive and and won this game that game for them with with some huge throws. Uh but the more times you ask him to do it, variance is going to come into effect and it won't always happen. So if you can avoid having him have to make a two-minute drill in Ann Arbor in the most hostile crowd that any Ohio State fan or quarterback will have played in in a while and that's saying something um in in Michigan, mm-hmm. then the the your chances go your chances of winning skyrocket. So I think that's also what it comes back to. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I think Con McCord can do that. He did it against Notre Dame and he did it when he was even less experienced, less confident. He was talking a lot about today about confidence. I asked him what the most important development he's made from week one to week 11 is. And the, the first thing he went to was confidence. Like he can tell that he's more confident in himself, more confident in the players around him. And he feels like that shows up now with the way that he's playing on a football field while also acknowledging he didn't make some throws he needed to make tonight. So I think you would still have to say McCord. I don't think you're going to say that you want McCarthy because I don't think you've seen like as much as those numbers are better again, coming against a weaker schedule, you've still just seen enough, like, man, like, All these things that I know that there's Ohio State fans that still have trepidation about McCord, but there's times that McCarthy still looks very loose and he was looking pretty loose at Mm -hmm. times today. I thought until he finally threw that pick um, right before halftime, right? Like you could see that coming and then it finally happened. And, Last year, it was—it's almost the same analysis we had last year. Like we saw that coming last year. Like we were like, if Ohio State could just get to that game and force JJ McCarthy to make throws, but the way they chose to defend it left them vulnerable, and he took advantage of it in a huge way. And if they have made the progress it seems they have made and leave themselves less exposed on the back end, then I think this is playing into their favor, maybe to put this game on his shoulders and force him to make those kinds of mistakes.
1: Andrew,
0: which
2: one would you rather have?
1: So. If you had asked me this three weeks ago, I would have felt really comfortable telling you J.J. McCarthy. Um, the last two weeks have given me a little bit of pause. And I think McCord playing, McCord getting healthier. I think that that has to come into play here um, because I think we saw uh, like what he did against Michigan state, you know, with maybe a healthier ankle when things are good, this is what can happen. Um, but. I'm also I would take McCarthy, but it's closer than I thought it would have been a couple of weeks ago. Um, McCord still has some of those plays where you kind of just put your hands on your head and go, Oh no. Um, like McCarthy had a miserable game against Bowling Green earlier in the year where he threw three picks, and he didn't throw his next interception until today uh, against Maryland. So funny enough, like they have both have four interceptions this year for as much as me specifically but also kind of everybody just kind of complains about Comm Accord just kind of flirting with disaster they both have the same amount of interceptions this year um, but I still take McCarthy because I also like if we're, if we're just talking quarterbacks I think it's fair to say I would rather have McCarthy and I would rather see kind of what he can do cuz he can give you some stuff in the run game Whereas McCord doesn't. So that's a part of this. Um, I like I like McCarthy. I like his arm talent. Um, and I don't want this to sound like I dislike McCord or dislike McCord's arm talent. It's that I think McCarthy gives you a little bit of extra stuff. And then, and then on top of that, it's not really created equal either because like, how would we view this conversation if Michigan had Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka, right? Like, would we look well, at Kyle McCord uh, differently if he didn't have 18 to throw to all year? I I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe, um but it, in terms of quarterbacks, I it's close, but I'm taking McCarthy.
0: I mean, if you're gonna ding him for that, then you have to ding C.J. Stroud for having Garrett Wilson, Jack Smith, and Jigba, well, and Chris Olave, and Marvin so Harrison Jr. I'm and Emeka Buka. Like, the talent is the talent around it. Like, I don't know if. I understand what you're getting at there with like would Michigan be more inclined to want to throw the ball more if their receivers were better. But I don't know if that's a a knock against whoever well, the quarterback is just because they have those guys.
2: Well no, I'm saying I think he's saying that, you know, if we're comparing production, you know, one has had the advantage of having the right. best player in college football in his receiving cord. Yeah. The other one doesn't. I would just yeah, say exactly. so here's a here's a head to head comparison. Colin McCord at mid season, when he, you know, still working some things out. Nine, against Maryland. This is a home. 19 of 29, 320 yards, two touchdowns. That's without Trevon Henderson. Today, JJ McCarthy at Maryland, but with, as far as I know, a full complement of guys until Roman Wilson got hurt. 12 of 23, yeah. 141 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Hey, that's just that's just bad. He was just bad today. That's like yeah. six yards. A, that's like six yards an attempt. <laughs> that's that is a Big Ten quarterback in a way that we'd never yeah. like to have people say about anybody that they're a Big Ten quarterback. Like that is about as big that's Aiken Caliac Manis like um, for <laughs> to bring up the Minnesota quarterback who tonight I think averaged about <laughs> four, four yards an attempt against Ohio State. So <laughs> I, I'm just saying that the the numbers that McCarthy put up early this year. I mean, there was a time when he it was like, man, he's in the Heisman talk right like i mean he's a high contender and like i remember greg doyle from the indy star wrote a column that uh you know ticked off a bunch of michigan fans saying he wasn't going to vote for him because of the sign stealing thing uh well now you're not going to vote for him because he just doesn't deserve to be in the heisman conversation because you played a game where you didn't have your quarterback attempt to pass as soon as he stopped attempting passes in that game against penn state i was like well that's yep his heisman's done like you can't you can't be a quarterback of a team that can win a game with a um, just like a, a bucket that they lay the ball on uh, essentially for the fa- final 38 minutes of a game um, be just as effective as you because you're not throwing a pass uh, and still win the Heisman Trophy like that's just ridiculous but like the performance the last two weeks it's just been uh, it's been a bit of a scuffle and some of that has been what teams have done against you know creating pressure against a offensive line that again this week was missing some guys but it's just they're vulnerable there. If I think the biggest thing, Ohio State tonight, Ohio State tonight, Minnesota was trying to, I mean, they're a running team and their, their quarterback's not that great, neither are the receivers. And they ran the ball in the first half six times on first down and they netted 7 yards on those 6 carries. Minnesota did. So you're just behind the sticks all night. And to the point where they just abandoned it and they started then throwing the ball on first down and they're actually having success throwing the ball on first down. They just couldn't sustain it. And if Ohio State is not going to hold Michigan to seven yards on six carries as good as this defense has been playing, it's going to be tougher than that. It's going to be tougher sledding than that. But if they can successfully defend the run on first and second down and start putting Michigan in even third and mediums, and that's where this defense really clamps down on people. And I think it'll clamp down on JJ McCarthy too. I don't think he is I don't think he has some sort of secret special sauce. Maybe it'll be proven wrong. I just don't see the special sauce in him um, that that beats a great defense with his talent.
0: Sixty-nine percent of the raw Texas said Kyle McCord as well over JJ McCarthy. So nice. I think part of it is even last year when he torched Ohio state on those explosive plays, those were more about the secondary personnel not doing their job than it was about him. I think here's my argument for why it's Kyle McCord and it's the tiebreaker, but it's a pretty significant tiebreaker. One JJ McCarthy hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in three weeks. And, and I understand he only threw eight passes against Penn state, but the week before that against Purdue, he threw 37 passes and then throw a touchdown pass. But that's production, fine. It's the fact that he is now in his second year as a starter and really his third year of being a contributor because he played a significant amount in 2021. Like, he threw a pass in that Ohio State game in 2021. They still don't trust him with the ball. I don't – Kyle McCord has had some bad moments this year, but I have yet to see a moment when it just felt like – Ryan Day didn't trust him for the rest of the game. Now, there have been moments, like we were talking about Andrew Jordan, the Penn State game at the end of the first half where it's like, oh, if Kyle McCord hadn't done some crazy stuff to drive before that, you probably try to push the ball down the field. Which he said after the game when I asked him about it. But I have yet to see just a game where Ryan Day just goes, you know what, I'm done with the passing attack. We're just going to run the ball because I I can't trust this guy anymore. And that's a – Weird place to be for a second year starting quarterback for your your play caller to still not trust you to go to go maintain a game, let a, let alone win a game, maintain a game. And the fact that Kyle McCord still has that ultimate trust in Ryan Day, even when he has these moments where things go left a little bit, I think that puts Kyle McCord over the top for me. And that would be either way because I, I think I think Michigan would be more inclined to throw it a little bit more with Kyle, if they had Kyle McCord well I think Ohio State would be inclined to throw it a little bit less if it had J.J. McCarthy I I do think it would just turn into like what we were seeing when Emeka Buka was out where it was just get the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. because he's Marvin Harrison Jr. but I'm not sure how much more involved other guys would be when everybody's fully healthy if it was flipped and maybe that's too deep into the woods. There, I, just watching how Michigan has used JJ McCarthy over the last two years. I just don't see a guy that a uh, play caller would trust. Well,
1: so it, I, no. I, I was gonna say I'm. I'm also curious. Like, I know we're kind of relatively new into this whole Michigan doesn't have Jim Harbaugh world. I'm also curious, like, the difference between Harbaugh Michigan and Sharon Moore Michigan. Because I understand that it's been two games and things aren't going to change too drastically, but like, like listen to some of these numbers. This is from uh, the Nebraska, or excuse me, I'll start with the Rutgers game from Big Ten play uh, up through the time that um, here. I'll just read them all: twenty-one attempts, sixteen attempts, twenty attempts, seventeen attempts, twenty-seven attempts. Then you throw thirty-seven times against Purdue. Then you get to the Penn State game eight. You get to the Maryland game twenty-three. Like, I wonder if you look at. Sharon Moore's background: tight ends coach, tight ends coach, co-head coach, and an offensive line coach. Offensive line coach. If he just looks at it and says, "Let's just run the ball," and I don't know, I don't know if that's a McCarthy thing or if that's just like a, "Hey, we're Michigan; we can run the ball to win. We don't have to do any of this." Like I, like I wonder how much of that Penn State game was not like I know what you're saying, Stephen, but I wonder how much of that Penn State game was not. Man, I don't, I don't know if McCarthy can do that. I think that might have just been look, Penn State's offense is terrible, and our defense is great, and we can also run the ball for, you know, Blake Horam can get five yards a carry. Uh, I think he ended that game with like five and a half yards of carry. We can just do this the whole game, and we can win, and we can get out of here very quickly. So like, I wonder how much of it is just the style of Michigan, not so much the McCarthy of Michigan, if that makes sense.
2: I want to also bring this up since I was comparing those, those numbers. So Kamakor coming into this game, well, actually including this game this year, against power five opponents at home. And there's only been four of those games, right? It was Maryland, Penn state, Michigan state, Minnesota, So power Mm -hmm. five opponents at home. He's completing 68% of his passes and averaging 9.22 yards per attempt. Like that's sort of, that's like getting towards like CJ Stroud, like production. I'm not saying it feels Mm -hmm. like CJ Stroud, but it's like in the neighborhood. It's, it's similar to the elite level, production, and I don't have his QB, um, his, his efficiency rating just for the home games because I'm not a robot that figures that stuff out, and I was adding the new stats in tonight. But it, it, on the road, 62% of his passes down from 68, and only 7.8 yards per attempt down from 9.22. And his quarterback rating is 139.79 in those Power 5 games on the road, which is 25 points below what is overall score was coming in so that tells you what the what the home score would be it's like even more than 25 points higher it's it's again mm-hmm. it's going to be elite level stuff and so that would give you pause as he's heading off to michigan to play on the road in a, in a crazy road environment however and all four of his interceptions have come on the road this season by the way uh but really? you also have to remember huh. i also have to remember coming into saturday's games Notre Dame was third in the country in defensive pass efficiency rating and fifth in yards per attempt allowed. Rutgers was 13th in defensive Mm -hmm. pass efficiency rating and sixth in yards per attempt allowed. And Wisconsin, if you combine those numbers, it probably averages around somewhere around like a national top 25 ish pass defense. So three of their power five road games have come against arguably like one of the top five pass defenses in the country. Another one that's a top, Ten-ish one in Rutgers and then a top twenty-five one. So, yes, the production has sagged in those games. But JJ McCarthy hasn't necessarily, I don't think, faced the kind of week-in, week-out challenges that Kyle McCord has. I'm not going to say every game was a challenge. I'm not going to say like going at Purdue was like a great challenge, um, but. This hasn't been an easy road necessarily to get to this point. And Kamikor needs to be sharper than he was today. But I think there is something to be said for maybe he's been battle-tested to get ready for this moment. We'll find out on Saturday. That's a good
0: point. And answer to your point, I think the Illinois game last year is just stuck in my head. When Michigan kind of needed JJ to throw it a little bit because that game was... This is the second straight year in a row Michigan's played like a, a weird game heading into the Ohio State game where it didn't necessarily look great. It won that game last year 19-17 and it didn't matter because they came to Columbus next week and you know, did what they did. But he was 18-34 of 34 in that game for 208 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and he threw some weird passes. and was like, well, no, that's not it. If Ohio State makes him do that, Michigan has no chance. I think that has stuck in my head, and we haven't seen him have to do it since. In a way that against a, a, to Nathan's point, a defense who could actually like shut down your passing attack. So I think we're going to learn a lot about JJ McCarthy on Saturday. While with, once again, to Nathan's point, I think we see what Kyle McCord can be against really good defenses, especially passing defenses. He's not great. He's pretty average, but some of that is a credit to the defense he's playing against other Power 5 opponents. He's been pretty efficient, though. So if he can be somewhere in the middle of that, because this is a road game against one of the best defenses in the country, if he's somewhere in the middle of that, I have more faith in that right now than I do in J.J. McCarthy. And maybe that's fair, maybe that's not fair. But that's just it's going off of how Michigan has used him and how Michigan how he performed the one time Michigan needed him to actually
2: be more than that. McCarthy did average like 10 yards an attempt against Rutgers, but got to play them at home earlier this season. So yeah, if you're comparing the head to head, like you can do that all night, I suppose. Like what's it mean to play someone at a certain juncture at home against playing them at a different juncture later um, on the road, like whatever. Um, I'm just saying that I, I I think it's fair to say that the stats really don't equate that much. Like when you start looking at next level stats, but I think they are, they are starting to, when you when you correct for opponents, correct for strength of schedule overall, and then you start to look at these, these last two weeks, it's definitely the performance has started to uh, converge a little bit. I thought it was an interesting discussion to have the leadoff
0: phase, and we're going to talk about this all week. I'm sure somebody will ask Ryan Day about it on Tuesday when we talk with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles heading into the Michigan week. But Ryan Day made a decision, and just because of opportunity, JJ's gotten, we've gotten to see more JJ because CJ Stroud was here, if you didn't know. But it seems like we're still not sure about what the answer is of whether Ryan Day picked the right guy or not. And next Saturday is going to be the accumulation of all of that because JJ McCarthy's probably going pro after this year. Kyle McCart, not so much. But this might be the one time where these two get the matchup and we get to see hey, Ryan Day made a choice on a quarterback. He had the choice between. Three five-star quarterbacks in 2019 when for that 2021 class. Drake May ended up committing to Alabama and then flipping to North Carolina. And he chose Kyle McCord over J.J. McCarthy. And on Saturday, we get to find out whether he was right or not. We'll continue to have conversations like this throughout the week. The final count. It's going to be nine because Nathan just decided to say the M word a couple of times here in the second part of this break, which is, M, it is what it is. The M-word. Yeah, word. I
1: would mm, – yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's, That's what I said. I said M-word. I don't know, but well, I think I – first, first, yeah, first, first, first,
0: first of all, y'all don't get to say that to me, <laughs> okay?
2: The M-word. That's what I'll Yeah. For people, for people State, who, like, for some reason, <laughs> jump in in the middle of a podcast and didn't have – context i wanted that wow. context to be out there because it just sounds similar it just sounds similar it does especially over some microphones we were just listening through some headphones
0: ohio state beat minnesota 37 to 3 that's the ninth time as i said that we've said the word and we're not going to say it anymore tonight because the next time you hear from us will be sometime monday afternoon so the plan next week for mondays and tuesdays pods we're going to record after. Coaches speak. Michigan talks on Monday, which means Jim Harbaugh will talk. Our Jimmy Watkins, who's our rival reporter, he will be there, so he'll join us on that pod. That will be up Monday afternoon, and then it'll be the same thing Tuesday. We'll go talk with Ryan Day, we'll go talk with Jim Knowles, and then we'll come back and record. And then the plan for the rest of the week, the big Wednesday pod is going to be, it's a legacy pod. It's because Just all the people who this game really matters to and what it matters to them and why those reasons are. So that's Ryan Day. That's this 2021 recruiting class. That's Kyle McCord as a quarterback. That's Jim Harbaugh's legacy. That's J.J. McCarthy. On down the list, everything that matters. That will be the big pod. And then the preview pod will be Friday. There will not be a pod on Thursday because we're going to let everybody, you know, hang out with their families and whatnot because it is Thanksgiving. But that is the plan. So if you're looking for the pods on Monday and Tuesday, Check in the afternoon because that's when they'll be up. There won't be a pot up Monday morning. There won't be a rewatch because we're not rewatching Ohio State versus Minnesota. And that's 10. And that's all we're doing there. Get the text, though. 614-350-3315. When Harbaugh speaking, we'll probably send out a few texts because even if we're not there in Ann Arbor, Jimmy will be there. But we'll be following along and seeing what Jim Harbaugh wants to say. On Tuesday, when we're talking with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles, we'll definitely be there. And we'll definitely be texting out what they have to say. We're expected to get players then as well, so we'll be texting a lot of that stuff out as well. Two-week free trial, $3.99 after that. This is literally the best week of the year to get it. Literally. There's the Michigan game next Saturday, and depending on what happens in that game, it's the Big Ten Championship the following week. That's a two-week free trial for the two biggest games left on Ohio. one of which is guaranteed to be on the schedule, the other which is dependent on whether or not they win the game that's next on their schedule. But two-week free trial, $3.99 after that. Check out our YouTube channel as well. It's Buckeye Talk. Just type that into the YouTube search page. We do stuff on there. We grade Kyle McCord after every game, and we do a whole bunch of other videos as well. But get the text, 614-350-3315. That wraps up a post game pod for Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis. I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.